0: Get into the bag, I want all of that. Got a number, but I ain't calling back. All my grip, no stalling that. Man, I call the plays like a quarterback. Get into the bag, I want all of that. Got a number, but I ain't calling back. All my grip, no stalling that. Man, I call the plays like a quarterback. Get into the bag, I want all of that. Got a number, but I ain't calling back. All my grip, no stalling that. Man, I call
1: the plays like a quarterback.
0: To Welcome back. to Talking Giants, presented by die. SeatGeek. I'm your host Bobby Skinner here with my co-host Justin Penick, and we've got something that we haven't done on on the Talking Giants podcast since 2019. We're evaluating the QB class. We're going go, uh, to go to our top five QBs. We're going to hit. I, I'm not going to do the. I'm going to try and do an alphabetical order, so I don't give away my top five. So I think Corral, one Howell, Pickett, Willis. Uh, where does Ritter? Pickett ritter r uh, comes before w so i forgot i forgot ritter's last name for a second so i'm gonna do those and we're gonna hit some d-line guys you know there's still a need for nose tackle you could they could still use some depth at three and five technique too um so hitting on five of those guys um mostly you know like some some hog molly something that we honestly haven't looked at a lot the last two years either because of the giants like plethora of players at that defensive line group so the two players we've uh, neglected the most the last two, uh, three years on this podcast we're hitting today.
1: Yeah, Bobby, I was telling the Patreon chat before the show, a little bit of a weird show, at least personally for myself, because this is really the first time that I'm even giving somewhat of a deep dive into QBs, and like you said with the interior D-line, hi, Bobby, 23 days when everybody's listening to this, 24 days when the Patreon is listening to this until night one of the NFL draft, Corey Webster number of days, Rashad Jennings number of days. How are you doing, my friend?
0: Doing all right. It's, it's fun to watch QBs. It kind of got those juices, like, oh, yeah, it's kind of fun looking at these QBs every year. I've ignored them the past two seasons. Um, So we're going to get in, into that in, in a couple minutes. Only thing I want to hit it because the Giants had their first day of organized activities, you know, essentially, you know, meet and greet workouts, um, some playbook stuff because they have a new head coach in Brian Dable which I thought the social media uh, team was pretty funny. at saying like, not unusual off season for the giants. It's like, well, we've had four, you know, new head coaches, uh, yeah. in the last, you know, seven seasons. So it's you must actually be new here. Yeah. Yeah. You must be new social media. Uh, you must be a new employee for the social media team. Cause we're actually very, quite used to this. We know how these rules work better than anybody in the NFL. Um, Again, I've been so deep in draft stuff that it was hard to really wrap around anything that I didn't see anything of note. The one thing that came out of it that it seems we haven't has been confirmed to only Wes Steinberg and Giant Insider. So it hasn't really been confirmed. It doesn't seem that Kadarius Tony was there. And that is bothering. Like it's again, when you look at these Kadarius Tony incidents all in a vacuum, you know, by themselves individually. They're never none of them are really that bad. But it's the first day under a new coaching staff. He's supposed to, you know, be an integral part of this team, especially on the offense. First round pick last year, and just another check on the list of like annoying thing that Kadarius Tony does. And it seems like he he didn't show up for this. And there's really, you know, there's no excuse. I'm sure they'll, you know, Joe Judge and staff did a good job of kind of lying and saying, oh, lying on guys and giving people excuses, but. You know, mo- more, more, most likely, this is just another tick on the Kadarius Tony annoying thing uh, meter.
1: Part of how I'm going to view the Giants' season and not just Kadarius Tony's season is our guys playing together, practicing together, being together in the building a- as much as possible. Because we did not have that this past summer. Um, Kyle Rudolph being hurt, Kenny Galladay being hurt um Saquon Barkley recovering from the torn ACL so much mo- you know so many different guys were were hurt even Nate Solder the starting right tackle um was not on the field Matt Parrot had the back problem but that didn't keep him out at camp basically at all I think like part 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 of the first week but that's how I'm going to be judging partially how I view this giant season is the practices are important like training camp these offseason workouts are all this stuff is important. I hate the kind of the conversation of, oh, does it doesn't matter how they perform in practice. Does not not matter? Blah, blah, blah. There's a fine line to it. But yeah, guys getting together and working out together, talking with coaches, having meetings, that stuff matters, especially since if you compare the NFL now to a decade ago or two decades ago where you had two a days and you have multi-padded practices, it's, everything is so limited now that any contact you can get with players is significant. And especially for Kadarius Tony, it's significant.
0: I think, I don't think Tony's missing out on a ton by not being at this opening day thing. Again, they're you know they're they're getting the playbooks. They um had some meetings and stuff. You know, but mostly it's kind of like a meet and greet, uh you know, weight room type of stuff. Like it's it's really nothing that's that important. But it's just the like, little
1: things. It's the little things that compile up together that make it something significant.
0: And it's and I hate to do it, but it's like with. Odell, it was like little incident, little incident, little incident. It kept building up and then it's like the ESPN it's like, "Okay, that happened, everything's worse." And I know he's not they're not the same person. For a fact, I think they're both very different personalities. But again, it's it's a trend and you can't ignore it with Tony, okay? It, you shouldn't be this isn't anything to be outraged about. But again, it, you you're you're putting blinders on if you don't if you're not a little worried about Tony long-term buying in um, as a teammate.
1: After there being rumors of Kadarius Tony, like being moved on from last year, like those were rumors, not, nothing, nothing confirmed. But after rumors of Kadarius Tony possibly being released by the Giants last year, you would think that he would want to make the concerted effort to kind of show up when he can. And he's zero for one. All right. Well, let's get in. All right. Um, well, there's one ready? more. Um, Brian Dable wouldn't uh, commit to saying if James Bradbury was there or not which makes me think that he's not
0: good. Well, yeah, he's probably not um, good on him for not, you know, throwing guys, you know, like basically, you know, covering like, Hey, I'm not going to say who's not here. We just had a bunch of guys come. So I think someone said they counted like a a good amount of them, but it just seems like Tony wasn't there. Daniel Jones was lifting. Daniel Jones is going to be clear. Like the conspiracy, the Daniel Jones conspiracy theories of maybe not being ready. Can go away, like that. You know, they're obviously always going to give as little information as possible. But Daniel Jones is going to be ready to play football. Yeah. Yep. All right, you ready to get into these QBs?
1: Yeah. Let's actually. Do it. First, I have, a I have a question. First.
0: Well, before we get in, yeah, I have something. Is it about Daniel Jones and a comparison?
1: No, it's about why the Giants aren't going to be taking a QB. Go for and it. And I and I have three reasons. Number one. I don't think it makes sense for Joe Shane to put his job on the line right now with drafting a quarterback. He may not have the right people in here. Like I don't know if I would want Chris Pettit's evaluations on this year's quarterback class when I don't know if Chris I don't know if Joe Shane wants to work with Chris Pettit. So that's number one. Number two is Tyrod Taylor's 2023 contract. And number three, uh Dan Duggan basically confirming that. Davis Webb is going to be quarterback three this year. And if the Giants draft a QB, that would mean they trade Daniel Jones. And I don't see that happening.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I don't see it happening. Either. The only way I could see it happening is if their QB one like fell to the second round. Um, you know, but we'll, we'll get into it into a second. Again, we don't think the Giants are going to draft a QB, but I, I wanted to do our due diligence this year because I the last two years we knew we weren't taking a QB. It would suck to not do in due diligence and the Giants take a QB. Um, so so it's kind of we're doing this as a might as well exercise Uh, this episode is brought to you by chris roundy round and round and round he goes. this next person's name is new york giants therapy group which i would would be i think would be a good nickname for our patreon and then robert edgerton jr he likes to edge he loves he 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 subscribed to patreon after the edge preview
1: patreon.com slash talking giants this this year it's not going to be a therapy group I mean, it depends how you define therapy. If you need therapy for experiencing too much joy. It's not going to be a therapy group because we experienced depression this year. So, patreon.com slash talking giants. You get to hang out with us while we record the shows live. Bobby Skinner will study some stickers, magnets in the mail. And then also twice a month, you have an opportunity to win something from our store. Patreon.com slash talking giants. I will not be shocked if more people subscribe. I will be shocked if the Giants draft the quarterback. Whereas a couple weeks ago, I wasn't going to be that shocked. But then since basically Dan Duncan came on our show and said that thing about Davis Webb, my preparation for QBs really slowed down.
0: Well, and one this is a bad quarterback class. Like let's let's be upfront about it. Um there's one guy who I view as like a first round quarterback. There's there's one guy. And and if you put Daniel Jones out of Duke into this QB class, he would be QB1. He would, you know, like I dove deep into Daniel Jones film. Um, you know, obviously more so than these guys because, you know, had the Giants drafted him. But Daniel Jones, to me, would be the clear QB1. You can make an... Uh, let me just say, Malik Willis is my QB1 in this class. You can make an argument for Malik Willis because he has some really good traits and the, the things that he can needs to get better at, he definitely can get better at. But, uh, you know, there could be an argument with Malik Willis, but Daniel Jones would be QB1 of this group. Like, I, I say that very confidently.
1: Yeah, big predictor of... Quarterback success from the collegiate game is CPOE completion percentage over expected. You know, are you completing more passes than what you're quote unquote expected to do based off the next gen data? Unfortunately, there isn't at least public information of CPOE from collegiate quarterbacks, but there are people on Twitter that have access to that data. And what they did is for the top five quarterbacks taken in each draft class since 2019. They've gone through the CPOE of those five quarterbacks. 2019, it was a plus 2.9. Uh, this year, it's a plus 1.3, and then 2020 and 2021 were above plus four. So that basically means top five quarterbacks in this year's draft class—they're uh, not very accurate. And if you compare them, especially to 2021 and 2020, you know those top five QBs were on another stratosphere of accuracy. And that's really a good way to kind of measure future success. So yeah, not the best uh, QB class this year, Bobby.
0: But let's get into the one guy who I do like a good amount. And that's Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty, who is my quarterback one. I kind of feel nerdy saying like QB1. But it, anyways, Malik Willis, QB1, 6 foot, 219 pounds, 9.5 inch hands. Obviously transferred out of Auburn and was with Liberty the last two years. Just some raw stats from this past season. 60.1 completion percentage, or 61.1, 8.4 yards per attempt, 27 touchdowns, 12 interceptions the year before. 64.2 uh, completion percentage, 8.5 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, 6 inter- six inter- inter- interceptions. He's going to need to learn everything from a pro offense. Um, I think there's a rush to put a lot of QBs on the field. And for the most part, that's the right thing to do is put QBs on the field. We won. Malik Willis is going to need to – because he needs to learn a pro offense from setting protections from everything, kind of the way that Mike, Mike Kafka did with Patrick Mahomes. But there's so much there to work with. His arm strength, it isn't Mahomes Allen level, but it's great. Like, he has the only great arm, uh, in this class. I mean, he, he lasers the ball in when he throws, and it's, it's on a rope. Um, He's not really a touch passer, but he can put it on when needed. And his deep accuracy, I think overall, is pretty damn good. Especially when he's got time to set his feet, like he has plenty of dime throws down the field, like beautiful, beautiful throws. Better, more than anybody in this class. Now his intermediate, the sh- uh, short accuracy can be off, but I do think it's rooted on f- in footwork, which is something that is very fixable if someone puts the work in. Oh, you know, so accuracy can be an issue at times. Needs more to be more precision on like tight window, like back shoulder type throws. The ones that wow everybody are the off-platform throws. And those are the things that get everybody excited in draft season. And and he does them as good as anyone. I mean, they're as good as they get. And and then, obviously, so I'm going arm strength to, you know, running. The great improviser in the pocket and great athlete overall. Like, an amazing athlete. Um, He is a dynamic runner. An A-plus running ability. That being said, he does take too many hits. Uh, Like I referenced before, his footwork is a mess. But it does... But it being such a mess gives you hope to have real, like, substantial growth the way a guy like Josh Allen did. I think he's very aggressive, which I love on sideline throws, whole shots on the sideline. As far as running through a, a pro offense, I think he's too hesitant to hit the number two and number three guy Damn. in high to low progressions. Um, and he'll take off running too early, which that's something that's going to need to be beat into him. It's like, hey, man, you got to kind of sit in these and throw these number two and number three. Like, like trust again. Like, he, he just, versus zone, he just struggles to pull the trigger and he waits too long for guys to come open. Um, also, his arm is so good that I think he needs to trust his arm better when working center field. Like if you've got someone who can split those center field safeties when the center field is open or when it's close, like he has the arm to beat deep coverage.
1: I can't tell you how many times Malik Willis would hit stuff on the sideline, like tight window throws, put stuff on a rope going to the sideline. But then guys are running posts down the middle of the field and you would think something in the middle of the field is a little bit easier than sideline, tight window sideline throws. And he just wouldn't make, there's guys that are open for him to hit in the post and just hit him on the run. He got the arm strength to do it, to put that ball there. And he just didn't do it. And it wind up in, you know, taking sacks or he wind up trying to improvise it and play hero ball. Dude, if there's an explosive play that's there in the middle of the field, take it. And he is one of those guys. He is one of those quarterbacks where rarely, probably less than any other top QB in the draft class, just never threw the ball in the middle of the field, whether it was intermediate or whether it was deep, everything is just such center on the sidelines, and I've never seen that ever before.
0: Never. It has to do with anticipation. He needs to have more anticipation. Like he, he, like those sideline shots. Just, you know, you know, one, two, three step drop, bam, hit it. Um, those post routes are long, developing plays, and you kind of have to. At a at a point, you have to bet. Okay, that safety is yeah, he's over the top right now but he's not in good enough position to stop this deep post. So it's just more about having better anticipation and trusting his arm on those throws. Cause he has all the ability, you know, like he makes amazing throws. And when he does like, you know, there was one game where he missed the deep post and then they came back to it and he just hit a beautiful, beautiful dime. Um, again, he's good. You know, it's run like far as running. He's good at controlling the center field player, you know, um, for sideline throws, you know, where he can get one-on-one coverage. Um, as far as like in the pocket, he does escape too quick, but he is dynamic and makes plays out of it. But this that being said, his o- offensive line play was horrible. Like it was horrible at Liberty, but there's he needs to be able to stand in the pocket and, and square his feet, you know, like square up and, and throw that ball. And he creates sacks. Like he'll kill drives with sacks that are trying to make a play. Yeah. You know, um, you know, the Syracuse game, I think at the end of that game, like he, you know, lost the game on a on a on a sack, and fumbled, which he shouldn't have taken. So he will kill those. Kill those plays, and um, so he has those. So, but at the end of the day, man, this is the only quarterback where if they took him at seven, and I don't want them to, but I would be excited about it. I would, I, I would trust them to work and develop this guy because um, you see, like, the areas of improvement are, are the things that I think Brian Dable would be good in proving uh, him in, and the fact that the Giants, if they did draft him, they would have to trade Daniel Jones for whatever they could get, whether you know, even for the seventh round, because you have Terrah Taylor on the team. But you have a guy like Terod Taylor who can help develop and you can put out there and play without having to uh, force Malik Willis uh, on the field. And then again, you have two, your head coach and offensive coordinator are both guys who work with raw, great talent QBs and Josh Allen and Patrick Mahomes who who you know Patrick Mahomes sat his whole first year and Josh Allen was god-awful his first year.
1: Malik Willis is a walking explosive play. He's a third and short weapon. That's something that I feel like you didn't touch on. Third and short, you don't know whether he is going to throw the ball or he can run the ball. Um, he's also a red zone weapon. I feel like the same way that uh, the Bills use Josh Allen in that regard, whether it is third and short or inside the red zone. Uh, Malik Willis is a weapon, and this is from from day one. Not even just oh, let's like let this guy develop. Third and short, red zone. He is an automatic weapon from from day one. And if he can fix up the things that he needs to fix up in his game, then boom, that, you know it makes him even even more. Uh, dynamic things that can translate to the pro level right away: um, escapability, arm talent, and running ability, and then the off-platform throws. Those are the things that can translate to the pro level, and I feel like those are the things that are hardest sometimes for quarterbacks to actually get. And that's like it's it's God-given. It's God-given. I mean, the the off-platforms, the arm strength, the arm talent, and the escapability. I mean, fe- feeling and sensing that, that's been something that Daniel Jones has been working on for, for years. We interviewed uh, Daniel Jones' trainer from like after his rookie year, and he was talking about Daniel Jones' pocket presence, and it's taken him years to really work on that. You know, if you have that sense of when to get out of the pocket, sure, Malik Willis does it a little a little too quick, but it's something that not a lot of quarterbacks can do. And that's why these quarterbacks are getting a shit ton of guaranteed money. And, you know, teams like the Vikings and the giants, you know, if you're middling in the the QB hell, it's really, really bad. So those are things that can translate right away to the pro level.
0: Yeah. And, and so like essentially big arm, amazing athlete and aggressive. Those are like the three things you, you want to work with, with, with a guy, you know, like his, his accuracy issues are rooted in things that can be fixed in footwork. So, I think he is—he's clearly quarterback one for me. You know, Kenny Pickett probably would make more of an impact day one, but like I, he's the only guy I'd be excited for because I think he can be a great player in this league if if he's brought up with the right coaching. Yeah, you know, but that and that does matter. You know, I, I think it matters with. Nine QBs out of ten, it really does matter where you end up, and and where Malik Willis ends up, I think, is going to matter a lot to be in a place that helps him grow, but grow, learn and grow, but also learn and grow the right way. You know, uh, not learning and growing under someone who's going to try and you know like fix all the bad things and not keep all the aggressiveness in them. You know, similar to the way Garrett did with, uh, with DJ. So, I think that all matters with him but I will say I mean don't the giants have a pretty nice uh situation for that if you believe in Dable and Kafka um you know they're going to improve the offensive line this offseason and they've got a decent little you know group of weapons even though they, none of them could really stay on the field much but again you have time to build those things so I do think the giants would be a good landing spot for him but at 5 and 7 it's just too early for me
1: yeah too early and the giants if their quarterback situation was different, then I would be more open to it. But also, I'm in a different spot with Malik Willis right now than I was compared to the day after the senior bowl, where I actually did sit down. I watched him, you know, watch, watch that all 22 and just was not in love with him as as I thought that I would be because of the the hesitations that I have about the accuracy the consistency can he develop you know can he develop into a player that can run that pro style offense so um, that's where I'm at well, and
0: at Mobile matters, you know, the senior bowl, when we were down there, that does matter because he was in a situation where the playing level is equal. You're going to be in some pro style off, uh, you're running pro style office. And he looked like the clear quarterback one out there. Like he made, uh, he had some good timing throws in the intermediate air media game, you know, it wasn't just him and, and, you know, in the practices, he wasn't using his legs at all. In the game, it was like, you know, read, read, run. Um, you know, the game wasn't, inc- but you saw his athleticism in the game, but no one's ever questioned that. So that does matter too. Like that does play into it. It's like, okay, he went down there and was clearly the best quarterback down yeah. there. Absolutely. All right. Do we want to hit the, uh, the next cat on this list?
1: Yeah. So we're, you said you, you initially said you were going to go off about a quarter, but then you just lied.
0: No, I, I said, I wanted to announce the five QBs. Oh, announce an the five order. QBs. So, so all right, I didn't who's give your, up my QB one through five.
1: Who's your second guy?
0: All right, it's not fun, but it is Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pitt. Um, six foot three, two hundred seventeen pounds, eight and a half inch hands. Uh, ran a four seven three forty. Uh, small hands, very small hands, and I think uh, we'll talk about arm talent, ability to move, and then just run, you know, playing the game wise in order with that stat wise. I mean, his stats were very mediocre at best. Uh, the first three, uh, the, you know, in two thousand eighteen, the twenty at Pitt, you know, uh, you know he had the. Three, from 18 to 20, 12 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns, 6 interceptions, 9 interceptions, 9 interceptions. He's very safe with the ball. Completion percentage, you know, 61, 61, 58. This past season, completed 67% uh, of his passes. Had a huge jump in yards per attempt, 8.7. 42 touchdowns and 7 interceptions. He played in a very pro-friendly system. Um, and he's the most pro-ready quarterback in the draft to me. His arm talent, to me, Justin, is overall adequate for the NFL. Uh, I think he's got nice deep ball accuracy as a touch thrower. Uh, the intermediate uh, in the intermediate drive throws, uh, the ball can die out on him or, or you know, be high at times because he's really trying to put that extra, you know, uh, muscle into them. But he's got good accuracy all over the field and, and can make those precision placement throws. He actually can like throws really well, accurately uh, on the move too, and yeah. he does use his legs a good amount. That being said, with the small hands, we got to see him up close and personal in the rain in Mobile, and it really did struggle. And I do think that's more than just, uh, you know, a March talking point about the hand size. Like the hand size is an issue, Justin.
1: Yeah, when it gets down to it, if you're playing a playoff game in Lambeau in December, you know, and you can't gri- you can't grip a football. Now he did play in Pittsburgh, so that's also the thing too. It's like, all right, well, do you want to go off of the Senior Bowl? Or do you want to go off of the fact that he played in Pittsburgh and he had a lot of cold weather games there too? Obviously, I didn't look up the weather for each of the games that he did play, but um, you know that that's that's ultimately part of it too. Kenny Pickett has pretty good adjusting completion percentage. That's the closest stat that I could find to the CPOE completion percentage over expected. The adjusted completion percentage was 78.8%, which is 10th best in the nation this year out of all quarterbacks. And something to note too, that Pitt's wide receivers had a little bit of a drop problem too. I think uh, they were like top 20 or maybe top 25 in drop rate this year. But also uh, you, you watch sometimes Kenny Pickett can contribute to contested catches and pot and some possible drops because if he's sitting in the pocket and he's waiting he had the second highest time to throw in the nation this year among all quarterbacks so he's sitting in the pocket sitting in the pocket he's waiting for things to develop sometimes you're waiting for things to develop too much your wide receivers are having contested catches and maybe some of those some of those things are counted as drops so i understand he has that escapability at times but he's not malik willis like malik willis having a top 10 time to throw understandable can he pick it kind of curious to me. So I'm interested to see how that translates to the NFL, where Kenny Pickett should not be a quarterback that's holding onto the ball for longer than three seconds in the NFL. He should definitely be a little bit more of a, a quicker release quarterback. And
0: I think that's when he is in his, at his best is in that three-stop quick, uh, three-step draw quick game, you know, reading coverages. Um, again, like you said, he's not an A athlete, but he can move well and impro- improvise. His, his footwork is is very solid, whether it's in the pocket or outside of the pocket. Here's my biggest gripe with Kenny Pickett. He plays ex- way too safe for me. Way too safe. Like, you know, he does a good job, you know, post snap reading what's happening, like he lets the safeties dictate where he's going to go with the ball and he he knows how to manipulate them well and, and he can pro- process post snap coverage movement pretty well. But he's just too safe to b- with the ball in the high to low reads. You know, there was a lot of chunk throws in the middle, and he would get to the check down. Like, you know, again, really struggled to throw and and anticipate like those deep to intermediate routes for his zone. Just like I, there were so many times where like pull the trigger, Kenny. Pull the trigger, pick it. And he just didn't do it. You know, like he'll have a deep over breaking really nice, and he'll hit the check down. And I just think there's some... I don't think he's he's comfortable under pressure, and he had a he had a lot of time to throw this past season. I just don't think he's uh, comfortable under pressure, and I think part of that reason to it as a, of playing a very conservative game. Like his pocket manipulation, I think would be overall good, but I think he leaves the pocket too early. Like there's times where if he doesn't need to leave, and he does, um, it's like you know what, just like stand in there and throw the ball. And I really think he doesn't like being hit. Like there's times where with light pressure, he'll bail from the pocket, like oh, re run. There like, was he,
1: one play. Where I think they were playing Virginia, where he gets hit on his ankles after he's running out. He's he's running out of the pocket, uh, not running scrambling, but he's like about to run out of the pocket. And a defensive lineman kind of dives at his ankles a little bit, but it's as he's releasing the ball. It is not egregious. And he gets up, and he, like, screams at the ref. I, I've never seen a quarterback really freak out like that unless it's Tom Brady, but also that's Tom Brady. So that was kind of strange. So when you say, like, he doesn't really like to get hit, um, that, that may be true.
0: And it just seems like he doesn't, like, you know, I, I saw one play where he literally, like, ducked when he was about to get hit. Like, he just doesn't want to hang in and deliver those throws versus pressure. You got and it. And I think that leads to... Not being aggressive on those intermediate throws. Like, hey, if he's got a good pre-snap read, like, he's not afraid to throw the ball deep downfield and he throws the ball deep downfield or intermediate. He throws it well and he throws it accurately. Um, you know, when things are good, like, most accurately. But it's like, you got to be able to form under pressure. Again, not, like, constant, like... And again, he like he had a good, like, situation in front of him. Like, he had time to throw all the time. Even when there was, like, heavy blitzes. His O-line did a pretty decent job, um, at least in the games I watched. And it just seems like he just doesn't want to hang in. And to me, it reminds me of the way Alex Smith played football.
1: Yeah. All right, I'm going to – one more final point for me. I think his ceiling is kind of Kirk Cousins, maybe prime Andy Dalton, and maybe a little bit of Ryan Tannehill in there too with the escapability running a little bit. And, hey, Arthur Smith, Atlanta Falcons – Go for That's it. That's
0: fair. That's a. Those are. Those are all fair comps to me. Again, I. I. Th- I would say just Alex Smith, just because of that conservative nature. Um. But yeah, those are all fair. Like comp. Comp. Comps I heard
1: Tony him. Romo, but now hearing your. No, I, like, I don't. See that not at all. Now hearing your like, hey, he doesn't want to get hit and stuff like that. Tony Romo was like the master at breaking the sack avoiding the sack and also he he got hit a fair amount too so i I don't like that tony romo comparison tony romo deserves a little bit more respect than that
0: so yeah i mean i have him as like a b plus player which would be like top of the second round um but for the giants who have daniel jones like i'm i'm definitely not taking kenny pickett like i I don't i don't think i'd even take him in the second round no just because of like where the Giants' situation is like if they were if they you know if we were the Panthers and he was there in the second round, yeah. But for the Giants, I won it. Um all right, so do you got anything else on him?
1: No. Let's uh let's let's go through these final. Well, how about
0: base- baseball away. fans? How about that? We got our baseball people back in our live. It's time to step up to the plate with your when is opening day? Thursday?
1: Thursday. I'll be in the office.
0: How about that? It's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still take a swing at Stacks of Green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy uh, Baseball Contest. New customers can play free for thousands of prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code JOHNBOY. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus, restrictions apply, and will be trademarked, used with permission. See show notes for details. See next. Uh, see show notes for details. How about that? Uh, almost read the, the directions for us. See next page for directions for disclaimer. How about that? Thank yeah. you, DraftKings. Uh, very good. Very nice, DraftKings. All right, QB3. I had a hard time picking QB3, QB4, but at the end of the day, I'm going to bet on traits and you know what i actually i feel more the more that i think about it, it's like you know i'm much more comfortable in this um but it's gonna be old miss old mississippi the giants have a you know people forget that eli manning uh who he won two super bowls and he was also from old miss six foot two 212 pounds nine and five eighths inch hands um Stats this past year, completed 68%, 8.7 yards per attempt, 20 touchdowns, 5 interceptions, although he had 11 touchdowns on the ground. Uh, year before, uh, completed 70% of his passes, 10 yards per attempt, 29 touchdowns at 14 interceptions. Uh, and, again, he adds something on the ground. Here's, he plays in the – but here's, like, the main thing. that's like, man, he plays in the heaviest of heavy RPO of offenses with mm-hmm. just very little NFL semblance uh, with Lane uh, uh, Kiffin. Arm talent wise, it's pretty damn good, but it's it's I don't it's not great to me. Um, like he's got he's got really nice zip on intermediate and can make all the throws outside the numbers. Um, I think he has some awesome awesome tight window throws and he's not afraid to pull the trigger. Like he plays with a swagger about him, unlike Pickett. Unlike the next two guys on the list, but like Willis, he can make some really wowing off platform uh, throws, you know, where he's running to his left and can throw 55 yards, you know, going the opposite way. Um, I think accuracy is pretty good overall, but it does suffer at bad times, you know, like there's some really bad deep ball misses. There's some quick game misses that are just like, man, you can't miss these, you know, like there was one, I think it, I can't remember who it was against, but there was a fourth and one. And it's like, man, you can't have this quick game miss. You just can't have it, um, and they just seem to come show up at the worst times. Whether it's on the deep ball or in the quick game, he will curl, hop, and wind up into his deep throws and, and overthrow. And I think that might have something uh, to do with it—the footwork. And 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 on the on the on the short game throws, it's like he just short arms. Him. Like he's just trying to get the ball out so quick that he short arms it. So that's something that can obviously be worked. In. and I do think he has good footwork overall. Um, especially for playing in that heavy RPO system
1: it does not have a lot of experience throwing towards the sidelines um, kind of like in that intermediate range from that 5 to 15 yard range throwing towards the sidelines does not have a lot of really any any experience at all and if you look at the the, the spray chart um, you know it charts you know below average targeted passes above average targeted passes fifth most screen yards in the country this year which I think that's telling too it's like hey if there's a quarterback that's really benefiting off of a scheme that's less of what he's doing independently and this is so this is where it's really tough because you have to kind of sift through that Ole Miss offense and the RPO heavy offense And, and the NFL is becoming more RPO heavy so I don't think it just doesn't translate at all but it's obviously I mean, the not.
0: The NFL has RPOs. This is a, just a flat out RPO offense.
1: Yeah. So I I look at Corral and I say that okay, he, I can see him easily going to a quick hitting system if the Pittsburgh Steelers want to continue to be extremely quick hitting. Quick quick hitting after Ben Roethlisberger. Uh, then they can easily go, you know, that route. Even though there's rumors of them liking Malik Willis, I think Corral might be a better fit for them. Kind of get the, you know, distributing right. Get Corral's going to get the ball in the hands of the of this of the skill position players, Claypool, Deontay Johnson. Um, the running back they have o- over there, Harris, and then they have uh, 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 the tight end. Like just distribute that ball, get the yards after the catch. That's what Corral did at Ole Miss. And also, if the Saints want to go back to the early days of Drew Brees, of kind of just uh, you know shooting the ball around the yard a little bit too, of distributing the ball that way, that's also a possible uh, good good fit there too. So you're gonna, uh, I feel like a lot of these evaluations on quarterbacks after Pickett and Willis is kind of similar, but some of the players have different traits of they're all kind of average in some areas, but none of them will wow you with any kind of traits. And I feel like that's the, that's the theme from here but on
0: out. Corral's the one of the three that does wow me. Like he has some wowing throws. I think he has more wow moments than Kenny Pickett does. As far as the way he moves, uh, I think he's got really good escapability. and he has good and bad hero ball moments. Like he really likes, he has that gamer in him. It's just regular in-the-pocket manipulation needs a ton of works, and he panics at times. That being said, he does avoid sacks really well, um, which is which is a good trait to have. And a l- like a lot of these guys, when he's running these traditional concepts, he just needs to pull the trigger on the second and third reads. Like it's very one read in the second and third. Like they just kind of don't have that confidence in those second and third ones. Um, I would like to see the fumble stats. He was, there was one game I watched where he fumbled a a couple times and there was just like bad ball handling and i think he does have a little bit of an injury issue like he left he's some games thin. early he's a
1: pretty and, thin player yeah yeah
0: but he moves really well they use him in the rushing game uh, he's the guy when you bring him to the nfl i wouldn't use him as a runner a ton but it's definitely a, a tool and then obviously outside the pocket i think out of you know um like i think he's got the highest ceiling outside of malik willis in this class
1: yeah i'd agree with that depends on what team he goes to i think if he's on a team that's Quick hitting, and then also if Sam Howell's on a team that emphasizes the vertical game, I feel like that's going to be the thing that kind of decides that.
0: You can clean up some of his deep accuracy issues with with some footwork stuff, uh, uh, and he's got a hell of an arm too, you know. So I just think that's why he is. is and again, it's he's a lot more projecting again because he just plays. Inside. Like if you put, he's going to need a good offensive line. Like if he plays in front of, behind a bad offensive line, doing traditional reads, I think he's just. There's just going to be, like, these disaster. I think there's going to be a lot of disaster plays out of Matt Corral because he plays aggressive, which I love. But there's just going to be a lot of disaster plays with Corral.
1: Yeah.
0: All right. Do you got anything else on Corral? Nope. All right. QB four. I know people are mad that I'm putting this guy uh, above, above the next guy. Sam Howe, QB out of UNC. Um, He's been, like, the most consistent out of all these guys the past three seasons. Six foot one, 218 pounds nine and one eighth inch hands he's had good stats throughout you know these last three years like i noticed him as a freshman um playing miami i was like this guy looks like a pro quarterback you know and uh, his kind of stats actually kind of you know like he, he had a decent uh, freshman season thirty eight touchdowns seven interceptions eight point six yards per attempt and then and then in two thousand twenty he played really well like completed sixty eight percent of his passes ten point three yards per attempt thirty touchdowns seven interceptions but he had Deami Brown he had Daz Newsome he had Javante Williams and Michael Carter in the backfield like a much better team around him. Um, in this past season he did struggle a little bit but again not a bad season completed uh sixty two and a half percent. Uh, of his passes 8.8 yards per attempt 24 touchdowns nine interceptions. He played in a vertical one read offense that is just isn't NFL based uh, arm talent wise. I think it's overall good but not great arm talent. Um his deep ball has adequate velocity with good touch. But he does have some stinkers that just die out on you, you know, so he doesn't have like a, this great arm, but he's, he's got a good one. Um, comfortable throwing outside the numbers with good velocity. And, you know, besides those deep touch throws, like he puts good zip on the ball on all other throws. And I think he works, you know, the short game well with good zip timing and accuracy. Um, arm strength wise, like he's got an NFL arm. Like there, I don't think there's any doubt about it, you know, um, doesn't have like a first round arm, but he's got an, he's got an NFL arm.
1: And I think one of the main issues with Howell is that he did have that, you know, his really good freshman year, really good early on years, and then just never really improved from there.
0: Part of it is the offense he was asked to be in, but it's like, okay, but you see like some of the struggles he has. Um, Let's let's talk about his accuracy. I I do think it's good on all three levels. You know, he can make some off-platform throws, but again, some disaster to it as well. He just... He's a gamer. Like I want to talk about how he works in the offense. Like his footwork is mostly solid, but he floats in the pocket. Like he has a, he has a tendency to throw off his back foot when it's not needed at all. Um,
1: he panics. He he panics when that first read isn't there. If it's an RPO when that first read isn't there. If it's a goal ball and that first read isn't there, he'll, he'll he'll panic. And there's not a lot of those anticipatory throws in there either. So
0: yeah, that's a note I have. Offense doesn't ask him to go through progressions a ton, but he gets stuck and he has these panic runs. Like his pocket manipulation is horrible, like in the pocket. Now he runs and scrambles a lot, and he's got a lot of gamer to him. Like he can run a decent amount. Like he can run through tackles. Like he's a good runner for someone who doesn't have. Probably the greatest athleticism. Um, but again, he like has that gamer ability to him. Um, it's a fine
1: line between... Do you he's not going to do
0: that in the NFL. That's not going to translate no, like no, the way but he it, runs in the, out of the pocket.
1: But it's a fine line with Howell with his game in college. It, it's a fine line between all right, you're going to tuck the ball and run and get something out of nothing. You know, a four-yard gain, I guess, is better than an incompletion or you're going to force the ball and get an interception. Or do you want to hold on to the ball? You have the arm velocity. Do you want to throw the ball into a tight window? um, Or are you missing something that's wide open? I mean, I feel like all all those things have happened to Howell
0: and he has bad anticipation that leads to bad sacks. Like his sack rate is really high in the red zone. It shows up the most. Like He has some really stupid red zone plays that lead to dumb sacks or just bad plays in general. Like he, he's just got too much like freestyle to his game, uh, without maybe the freestyle talent. Uh, and it's just, again, he's going to have to, he's going to be changed in the system and that some of that stuff can help with coaching. So like, he's not like some lost cause or anything. Um, but there's just a, there's too much bad without enough, like, great upside for Sam Howell for me to, like, feel comfortable taking him.
1: Yeah, but traits. I mean, I'm sure a team will will like the arm, and they'll they'll invest in that. Like, that's why I thought when you were starting to say something about Corral, I gave you a look because uh, I was like, oh, I'm going to bet the guy in traits. And I thought you were going to put Howell third because of that. So
0: Yeah, I mean, he's just, like, you know who he reminds me of? Taylor Heineke.
1: Hmm. He's out of out of all the quarterbacks in the NFL, I'd say that Taylor Heineke is the most like gamer out of all of them. Like that guy, that guy's a football player. You know when you say that corny cliche phrase. He
0: just, but he, like he reminds me of 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 Heineke. Like it's just like he will be fine as a backup probably, but even then it's, it's hard to uh adjustment. He just struggles with anticipation. Like, he's got to see a guy open, you know, even, even on the deep balls. It's like, he doesn't anticipate those well. Like, you know, when he had Dami Brown, that's why he looked so good throwing the deep balls, because Dami Brown was able to get around the stack guys very well. Um, and then have that speed to average those 20 yards per catch. Um, and there's a lot of times where those balls would flutter a little bit, but Dami Brown did a good job boxing out and making, making some catches. And then you had Daz Newsom working from the slot, who I liked a lot. And then you have the running backs, Javante and Michael Carter, who helped a lot. Um, those guys didn't make him, but they sure as hell helped him a lot. Um, and this past year, with not a great surrounding cast and an offense that is very like, hey, it's awesome when you have those guys. Not as awesome when you don't. Like you just saw a lot of panicking to his game, uh too much improv- uh, improvising. And again, like his his manipulation of the pocket was just flat out horrible. Like it was there was no there really was no manipulation. It was either that first read was there, or I'm panicking and running. All right, next. Yep. All right, last on the list, Desmond Ritter, QB out of Cincinnati, 6'3", 211 uh, pounds, 10-inch hands. Had a very good combine. Ran a 4'5", 240, 36-inch vertical jump. Uh, this past season, uh, completed 65% of his passes, 8.6 yards per attempt, 30 touchdowns, and interceptions. His numbers before that were pretty bleh. Uh, you know, 66% completion percentage, 19 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. The year before that, like, completed 55% um 18 and 9 plays in a pro system with some pro reads um here's the main thing though his overall arm talent to me is below average at the nfl standard uh, he can get the ball deep but it has no zip on it uh, and it has a lot of under throws and i think he really struggles with both strength and accuracy outside of the numbers um you know he has good accuracy when he's throwing between the hashes but you know, you, you, the NFL is a sideline throw league uh, on play in, play out. Um, so he he does good in those areas, but it's like well, you got to be able to throw to the sideline outside the numbers. And he just really struggles. Um, he doesn't have any strength or accuracy on those off platform throws. Um, so before we get into the other stuff, like he just doesn't have an NFL, like he has a below average NFL arm.
1: Yeah, uh, not an investment on raw traits, but I think you can invest in the ball player so to speak. You can invest in Desmond Ritter as a guy that has worked very hard year in and year out that has improved, that is in a pro style system. And you're betting on Desmond Ritter being a very good hard worker and continuing to grow in the same way that he did with Cincinnati. That's what you're kind of betting on. And at least in the NFL, I don't know if that's the best thing to, to bet on with the most important position in all of sports.
0: Well, here's why I think he can be a really good backup though. Maybe better than Sam Howell yes. How or Matt Corral. How about this? Um, he's got really good footwork overall. Like he needs to clean it up a little bit, at the top of his drop, but like good footwork. Um, he is a really good athlete, but he's not relying on it at all. I think he's got great poise within the pocket under pressure, like better, better than most of these guys ahead of him. Maybe, yeah. maybe, maybe all of them. Um, like he's got really great, po- like he manipulates the pocket really well without scrambling. Um, you could argue Pickett, but Pickett like likes to take off and, and run outside in the pocket more so than just manipulate. Like uh, Ritter does a good job of that, and he has good anticipation on the intermediate routes. Like he really does. He's quick and decisive with the ball. Like he's a good pre-snap processor. Maybe not the best post-snap, um, but at times with that pre-snap, you know stuff, he does telegraph where he's going. Um, and he'll, he's gonna, it's gonna lead to interceptions on out routes, curl routes, stick routes, which is stuff that you're gonna need for a guy who doesn't have the best arm to throw. Um, uh, and again, there's not a ton of evidence of him going through, uh, a bunch of progressions. Um, but it's just he misses too much, man. He's gonna throw bad, ugly interceptions. You know, watch the Notre, Notre Dame game, which was, you know, a big win for since like he just on those outside the number of throws, like miss, 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 miss. miss. Um, and it's just that to me is too that too much that to me is too much like I, I you're not going to be a good NFL quarterback if you're missing guys like that um and and then you already you don't have a great arm you have good footwork like that's to me that's that's a guy who's not an NFL quarterback
1: and you know there's there's better athletes in the NFL there's the windows are a lot tighter in the NFL and he also has a little bit of a funky elongated throwing motion where he makes the right read and he starts to throw the ball at the right time but. By the time the ball winds up getting out of his hands, you know, maybe the ball arrives a little too late. Um, You know, and those are, you know, those are incompletions in college, but they may turn into interceptions at the pro level. So, um, like I said, not an investment on the traits, but you can invest in the kind of work hard worker that he is and the kind of player that he is. And, you know, maybe you'll get something good. All right,
0: do you want to start with the D-line? Move to the D-line, or do you want to read an ad to give people a little time to breathe?
1: I'm going to give a little people time to breathe since they're probably freaking out with no good reason about your quarterback rankings. I, I think I relatively agree with them. Um, I honestly don't Give really, me your one
0: through five right now.
1: I don't really... I was just about to say, I don't really care enough to really rank them that much, and I also don't feel that I, like, worked... I worked so hard where I can give a good quarterback ranking. It's Malik Willis, and then I feel... I feel Kenny Pickett can be... An average starter, and then I think the rest of the guys, I don't see them being average starters. That's that's the rankings. That's the tiers.
0: My rankings to recap are Willis, Pickett, Corral, Howell, Ritter.
1: So, if you're in love with any of these quarterbacks, when the moment for intimacy arrives, and you want to make love to these quarterbacks, you need to be ready. you got to be Roman ready. That's right. Roman's back, baby. It's April 28th. And it's about maybe like 11.30, midnight. The Giants have Ikema Kwanu or, or Neil, And they have Kayvon Thibodeau or Sauce Garner. Like two of those four football players. Any any of those combinations. And you maybe want to make love to your significant other. And if those draft picks don't get you, you know, hornied up for it, Roman's got you. And you're going to get Roman ready. So I want you to get roman.com slash world now to speak to a U.S. licensed healthcare professional about erectile dysfunction and get $15 off your first month of treatments. The benefits of ED can help you reconnect with your partner and rediscover your love for the New York football giants when you make love to your partner, draft night, because you're so excited. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional, they're going to work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, it's going to ship to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, convenient, and discreet. Discreet part is my favorite. So I want you to go to getroman.com slash world today. And if you're prescribed, get fifteen dollars off your first month of ED treatment. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control. Be Roman ready.
0: All right, let's talk about some defensive alignment. and Giants overall. They don't have a huge need here, but they could add some talent. You know, they could add a you know a three technique, five technique for Wink Martindale, and also you know maybe they don't want Justin else to be their only nose tackle on the roster. So we're going to talk about. A, couple guys that fit those, uh, fit those rules. Quick, Quick.
1: uh, Devonte Wyatt or Jordan Davis. Who is your ideal one?
0: I haven't watched either one of them yet.
1: Whoa, Jordan Davis. It's like, those are like round one guys. And I thought you had your round one guys done. Um, I'd be interested to hear, to hear your takes on, how about this? We're going to tease it draft stream draft night. We're going to be having a conversation on Jordan Davis and, like his weight, his play style, positional value, and depending on where he goes, um, if he goes really high, then we'll have a conversation about if it's worth it. So we'll tease that. There you go. All right. How
0: about that? All right. Let's start on the list. uh start on the list on the guy I like the most out of this, and that's Logan Hall out of Houston. Really? Um, now, some people would call him an edge. I think he's a defensive lineman. I think he even said he's a five technique in the NFL, which is where I want him. He's six foot six, 283 pounds uh, 32 and three quarters inch arms ran a four, eight, eight, 40, 30 inch vertical this past season at Houston in 12 games. He had uh 47 tackles, six sacks, 13 tackles for a loss. He's a raw ball of talent and size. And I love it. Um, he is a hand in the dirt, uh, player, but he can line up all over and he just, he's explodes out of his stance. And I think he's just a natural block shutter, um, in, in multiple ways. And again, I think he's a ball of clay that we work with. He's got raw knockback power that leads to some nasty bull rushes. Um, that being said, he does need to use his hands better. But when he does use uh, his hands, they're deadly. Um, he works counters a little slow to get to them, but he works them. But that's a guy I can work with. Like, okay, he works his hands. He works spins. Um, he's got this tight, compact swim that really embarrasses offensive linemen. Again, I think he needs to be more technical and less sloppy as a player. Um, I think he needs to master the punch and drive. But it can be great if he doesn't. and His pad level will rise um, trying to work moves. Um Biggest weakness, I think, is he really does struggle versus double teams. Like he can get really worked versus double teams. So, but um, I have him as like a, a, a like a, a mid to late second round guy. Um, so I, I don't know if I want to be taking that position for the Giants. But if he falls, like I like Logan Hall a lot, and I think he would fit Wink Martindale really well.
1: I am shocked that you like Logan Hall better than Travis Jones. Shocked.
0: Oh yeah, I I definitely like him more. Wow. I mean, Logan Hall can do more for you. Travis Jones at the end of the day, while he's really good at it, is a three technique at best who should uh, play no tackle.
1: That that's valuable within itself, though. And that's, you know, the whole Jordan Davis conversation of positional value. And, you know, you talk about all the time about, hey, if you want to drop more guys in the coverage, which which Wink Martindale doesn't do, but controlling the run and controlling the line of scrimmage on first and second down with those big guys up front is really, really important in today's NFL. So you can have the horses in the back so you don't have to put another guy in the box, et cetera, et cetera. That's at least how Patrick Graham operated. Wink Martindale probably doesn't operate like that fully. But Logan Hall, yeah, I can see where you're definitely talking about where he fits Wink Martindale's system. Um, he's 283 pounds. I mean, at least, I how much how much does he weigh? You probably have the right, the right weight. 283 pounds. All right, so 283 pounds is right. So he's 283 pounds, which I, I think is kind of... Light, and especially he's very, very long. I mean, being 6'6", he's extremely, extremely long, and I think that's why he kind of struggles in double teams, Bobby, because he's so long that he plays high. And I think even if he doesn't necessarily want to play high, he naturally does play high because if you're not getting the leverage and you're also less than 290 pounds, you're not going to be winning with power necessarily. But he's explosive, um, you know, and he he can bull rush guys. So that's where I can see that potential of, hey, Wink Martindale, interior defensive lineman, you're going to hit this gap, you're going to attack this gap, and you're going to fill it, and that's where Logan Hall can be effective. So, But I'm, I am shocked, especially after we saw Travis Jones at the senior ball. I am shocked you have Logan Hall ranked higher than him
0: yeah i just think he's a natural block shutter who can get a lot better where i think travis jones is who he is and he plays a nose tackle spot where it's like you know what those one-on-ones look great at the senior bowl but you're never getting a one-on-one position you're playing like that you're just that's never going to happen um and i think he has much more pass rush ability than travis jones obviously playing two different positions you know we're talking about the same position group but they do play two different positions yeah all right, let's talk about Travis Jones then, defensive tackle out of UConn. we love our UConn people on this podcast. Um, six foot four, 325 pounds, 34 and a half inch arms. Um, you know, he had four and a half sacks, seven and a half tackles for, I mean, he was, he was a really good player at UConn. Long story short, he's a rare pass rushing, like nose tackle who can slide out the threat uh, three technique. And he's a great block shutter using his strength and his hands. Um, He's not gonna rack up sacks, but he will get them, like kind of the way Dexter Lawrence is a player. Like he's not gonna be, you know, he's not gonna have a, a eight sacks, but he'll he'll get some sacks every single year. Uh, his athletic ability for his size is really really good, and he uses his hands well. That's the main thing. He uses his hands well with clubs, pulls, swims, and disengages. I mean, his club is just nasty. He just he moves uh, big men in the middle, um, and that was when he was playing against better comp. Like I watched him first Clemson, and he handled those their offensive linemen pretty consistently. Not great get-off, um, and I think he plays with a little bit of high pad level, and his feet need to yeah. be more active, um, which I think is a theme for a lot of these defensive linemen. Their feet need to be more active. Um, and for a player who plays nose tackle and is that freaking big, he needs to utilize the bull rush more often. Um, you know, be add a little more power and not just all finesse. You're not going to be able to do that at the NFL level. Like, that doesn't translate as well. Like... Tr- like get your get your hands under someone's shoulder pads and drive those feet cuz that's what's going to give you more down in success down in down out success in the NFL not working that club and stuff that stuff's good to have um but it's not going to get you by every rep in the NFL and also I mean he gets moved on double teams and trap blocks you know like down blocks they'll they'll wash his ass down the line of scrimmage so you know he's got some issues with that too and I think that's um you know a part of him not moving his feet well
1: you talked about his athleticism. One of the first notes that I have is that he has a relative athletic score of nine point six four. Uh, Jordan Davis, I think, really stole the thunder away at the combine of getting like <laughs> I think like a near perfect ten. Um, you know, because of how fast his forty time is. But Travis Jones is a really really good athlete, and I think one of my notes that I also have here that I have bolded here's your nose tackle. I think Travis Jones is one of the more steady prospects in this draft class where you, you know what you're going to get like you're talking about well I want to I want to see a bull rush more and I don't know if Travis Jones is going to be asked if he's drafted by a team that's smart I don't know if he's going to be asked to really rush the passer all that often so yeah he, he needs to develop that bull rush more but that's not necessarily what he's going to be asked to do in the NFL he's strong 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 he killed it at the senior bowl that's at least where I recognized him and I and I got to know him a little bit more but Here's your nose tackle, Bobby. And I think the fact that this guy could be taken in the second round, maybe 20, 25 picks after a guy like Jordan Davis, I think that's a lot better value um, versus Jordan Davis, who is probably going to be taken in, in the first round. So Yeah,
0: you know, I'm not even considered the Giants with Jordan Davis. I mean, I'd be shocked by that. Um, good player. I, I assume he's a good player. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I like Travis Jones. I view him as like a late second, early third type guy. Um,
1: I think he could go early second. I think he could.
0: He definitely could, but it's just I, I don't know how well those those pass rush moves or 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 run you know moves you know that, that stuff translates to the run too. That stuff doesn't play as well in the NFL. Yeah. Um, you know what plays as well in the NFL is getting your hands into someone's shoulder pads and bull rushing the shit out of them. Yeah. Um, you know like that stuff is good add-ons. Like that's you know where Dexter Lawrence like Dexter Lawrence has that stuff, but Dexter Lawrence can also get under your shoulder pads and and he keeps his feet moving really well. Uh, where I don't think Jones does does that down in down out. Next on this list, another guy we found at the Senior Bowl and fell in love with, and then I watched his film and I fell in more love. Neil Farrell Jr. Nose tackle, defensive tackle out of LSU, six foot four, three hundred thirty pounds, thirty two and one quarter inch arms. Bad combine, 21 five four one forty, twenty one and a half inch vertical jump. This past season in twelve games, he had forty five tackles, two sacks, nine and a half tackles for loss. But he's been a serious player for them, even back to their. Uh, You know, even in their national championship run in 2019, um, and even before that a little bit. You know, he had three sacks, seven tackles for a loss that year. He's a true nose tackle. And athletically, like, he holds up all right as someone who's going to play only nose tackle. Um, Just great at the snap with pad level get-off in hands. Like, it's beautiful. He never, ever gives up ground. And when he's being double team, it's stalemates. Like, he doesn't give up ground on double-teams either. It's really beautiful to watch him fit versus the run and just ruin uh, double-teams. Um, his plan of attack changes consistently, whether it's the punch, swiping, shooting, uh, you know, shooting into a gap, swimming. Like, it's constant. Like, he he fires off low and, again, with consistently good hand strength. Uh, and, again, like, he has the strength to control o with those good hands. I think he disengages very well. Like he's got a good feel for that whether it's with his hands or his feet. Like the, hey, if a player's getting real head heavy with him, he'll spin out of it. Like do you want Neil Farrell Jr. spinning a ton? No, but if a player's like getting real head heavy, he'll spin out of that and make him look silly. Um that being said, what might, you know, separate him from guys like Travis Jones and stuff is that he's just not going to get sacks in the NFL. Like he really lacks the athletic ability. Like he'll have really good pass rush moves and he'll win like, you know, the whatever, pass rush, win rate, or whatever. Like, he'll have probably a good pass rush, win rate, or whatever. Um, But he's not going to finish the play. Like, he just can't move with a quarterback in the NFL. He um, can flow all right with the outside zone. And again, but he's, he's a read. He's a get your hands in someone's shoulder pads, read, and shed player. And those are the type of interior defense alignment I like, especially when you're not talking about the top of the round. Um, so, I think his athletic ability is going to hold him back from people talking about, but I, I think he will look back and Neil Farrell Jr. will have be one of the more most. I think he'll be playing as long as any defensive lineman in this class.
1: Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, you know, Neil, I feel like all these guys that we're going to talk about, like we're going to talk about John Ridgway, we're going to talk about Fedadrian Mathis, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, we're on Neil Farrell Jr. right now. Um, I think Travis Jones is really good value in the second round, and I think the rest of these guys are. Good value for wherever they're going to be picked throughout the draft because I do think that these guys are you know, maybe late day two, day day three guys. And Neil Frodo Jr. definitely fits that category. Um, I think he's a relentless player, something that you didn't say because I have a lot of what you had down. I think he's a very relentless player. Um, I think he does do pretty well with down blocks where he kind of clamps down and he doesn't get washed out. You had that as a critique of Travis Jones. And something that I also have is I think he has some bad weight on him. I, I try not to get too scouty and too like you know uh, judgy and nitpicky about that kind of stuff but i do think he has some bad weight on him where he can add some strength where if he gets that bad weight off and he replaces that with some muscle maybe he can get a little bit stronger what do you think yeah that's
0: true i mean if you look at all if you look at all the guys we talk about on this defensive line group he's the fattest. Yeah, where Travis Jones is like, yeah, he's he's big, but you can tell it's a little lean. John Ridgeway is like, seems like a ball of muscle. Fidarius Mathis is a little thin, and then Logan Hall doesn't really fit into the same group as those guys. Uh, but obviously, like you mentioned, he's yeah, he's definitely got uh, some uh, some belly to him.
1: Love it, player. By the way, haven't said that about any player so far. He's oh wow, player
0: okay. How about that? I love I love Neil Fellow Junior. Too. I th- I've taken him in the you know, the draft month mock draft and the post senior bowl mock draft. Um. I think some team that was that values the Senior Bowl is going to take him like on the third the third round. Yeah. I really do. Wouldn't surprise um, me. Next on this list, Arkansas defensive tackle nose tackle John Ridgeway, six foot five, three hundred twenty one pounds, thirty three and three in his arms. Uh, not a great athlete either. Five three forty 473 shuttle. He transferred from Illinois State uh, and then had two sacks and four tackles for a loss for Arkansas in eleven games. He's a project player. Um, but you see some stuff there. I mean, he's a nose tackle with just a big imposing frame and he can slide out to like three technique for run reps. Um, solid get off for a nose tackle. The thing that really stands out the most to him, cause he is, he doesn't need a, he has a lot to work on, but he has a really good first punch with good placement. Like just jacks up centers, like just gets under, like I've never, like he raises a, a, a center shoulder, uh, you know, pad level really well. But after that, it kind of goes, it falls off a cliff with Ridgeway. Um, uh, you know, and, 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 and with that, he has strong hands, but I think he's more top heavy. He, he needs to keep his feet working through contact and rolls hips. Um, he looks to disengage laterally, but he just ends up wrestling with the guy, you know, like he just doesn't have those moves. Like he needs a ton of technical work. Like he doesn't, his hand usage, his counters aren't there. Um, and, and, uh, with his feet, not moving, he gets washed up, you know, like kind of not as uh, more so than Travis Jones, but he gets washed up against angle, uh, combo blocks really badly single blocks it doesn't happen but against combo blocks he gets worked really bad and i just think he lacks some lower body strength or just doesn't know how to use that lower body strength um doesn't have the overall athleticism to add any pass rush value um his, his lateral ability i think it's not bad but it just isn't there and, and he was take he was taken off the field for passing reps but again he is a nose tackle um, but he, he brings the energy every single rep you know you yeah. mentioned that with neil fair like he brings a nose energy every rep so I think with Ridgeway I think he definitely to me is a day three guy but he's a day three guy where it's like all right we watch the first second of each snap let's work on the next two seconds for John Ridgeway
1: he's a college nose tackle which that's rare um that's that's rare out of you know a lot of these interior defense alignment that we're talking about you know maybe some you know sometimes they are playing multiple roles you're gonna Draft John Ridgway to be a, a, a nose tackle. Um, he already is a college nose tackle. Uh, you mentioned how you know he wrestles guys. Well, Bobby's a, that's because he's a state champion wrestler and he plays like that in the trenches where he has that punch, he has that pop. And you know, I I do feel like you're maybe I'm this is a Senior Bowl bias because it was Robert Schmitz and I we were watching him and like this dude's just an anchor in the middle. Where I I think you're undervaluing his strength. I do think that he is a really really strong player and the way that he plays. I think his upper like, body strength is great. Yeah, I feel like it almost like you're watching him wrestling, like you're watching a high a high school match in in wrestling and that's what John that's who John Ridgway um really is. I like his reaction time and ability to jump on a ball carrier. Where sometimes, you know, you'll see nose tackles be like, eh, I'm just going to fill a gap and I'm not fast enough. I'm not able to, you know, get, jump on a ball carrier and make a play. When John Ridgway makes a play and he makes a tackle for loss, he'll have that little bit of lateral movement to kind of get on that ball carrier, which I do think is valuable. You know, not just relying on everybody else to come up and make the play and fill that gap. Hey, make the play when you have an opportunity too. So, you know, for a guy that can be taken in the fourth, fifth round and day three, uh, I think John Ridgeway is a really strong, strong player um he's raw you know he's kind of wild you know when he plays like he's wrestling but if you can kind of get if coach if good coaching can get his hands on him and do something I think John Ridgway uh, can be a pretty solid player in the NFL
0: yeah he's definitely someone that needs a lot of coaching but it's like okay you, you see it there with him all right the last player in the list Justin I want you to introduce him
1: wow so Fidadrian Mathis from the University of Alabama he is 6'4 310 pounds i'm surprised that bobby put him last is it did you put him last because you wanted me to put want to me to introduce him or did you put him last because you view him as last
0: i didn't put him last because i view him as last i put him last because i did the least amount of work on him first, that's the fair first.
1: that's fair because i and do Fidari-
0: think, is it for or for well, i'm pretty sure you pronounced that wrong
1: i think it's Fedadrian. i i mostly try and copy and Where's paste Where's j coming from Fadadrian. Fidadri- there's two D's. Fadadrian. Am I saying there's, it as a J? Fadadrian?
0: It's P-H-I-D-A-R-I. It's, it's Darian with a, with a phi in front of it. Fadarian.
1: Fadarian. Well, then I, I'm adding an extra D for no reason. Also, you know what I'm going to blame? I'm going to blame it on my Jersey accent. And I need Ron Swanson, my speech therapist, to help me out. Um, like one, remember, remember, remember last show where I asked you, uh, is it Thibodeau or Thibodeau? And you said Thibodeau and I continued to pronounce it wrong for the rest of the show. That was fun. Um, <laughs> f- f- help me out.
0: Fedarian.
1: Fedarian Mathis does a great fedora. job. Of,
0: he wears a fedora. Fedarian wears a fedora.
1: Does a great job of separating and getting forge. extension at the point of attack. He has a 91st percentile for arm length utilizes that extension to keep his head on a swivel for the ball carrier. Another guy that can come in and be your nose tackle interior run stuffing defender from day one. However, he's not just a nose tackle at the university of Alabama. Alabama kind of asked him to do a lot of things. And I find that Fidarian Mathis is another one of these players, again, like Travis Jones, like Neil Farrell, jr. Another one of these guys that if you draft them, you're, you're, you're getting a good football player. He moves well for, and you're getting him for good value. What did you say? I
0: said he moves well.
1: He d- he he does move really well. Found a way to sneak out seven sacks in the SEC and he can definitely push the pocket. Um I I'm calling him the Travis Jones of the middle rounds. Reliable, steady, and you know and you know exactly what you're getting. Overall, he's a love it player for me. Um, there's a reason why he's not considered one of the top guys. Um, you know, maybe d- possibly due to athleticism, but solid value in the draft. Where there's not a ton of good defensive tackles, nose tackles in this draft class, and Fedarius Mathis is definitely one of those guys.
0: Well, you mentioned the long arms. And I think a lot of times um, it's just like, oh, he's got long arms, and people just say, oh, he's got long arms. He uses his long arms, like he. Gets into a guy's chest and then extends those arms and he just keeps offensive alignment out of his chest, which allows him to disengage really well. Um, And again, when we're talking about defensive tackle, nose tackle, when we say move well and athletic ability, it's it's relevant to the position. Uh, But I do like I think you can run stunts with him better than all these other guys. And besides, maybe Travis. Uh, Travis Jones, he went well on to call him Travis Scott. Um, so I think he's got good a, a, a ability to move, and, you, and I mean you need to see that in the sack numbers. Like he has the best stats, I think, out of this group. Like yeah, what like, like he said seven sacks, I think eight yep. or nine tackles for a loss. Um, so he had the best numbers out of all this group. He is a little light though. I think he's what three hundred eight pounds.
1: Three hundred ten. Yeah. Yeah. So for the someone good, who's going to be playing clearly him,
0: inside, he's a little he's a little
1: light. The good thing about him being kind of pseudo light though. Is he's on the field? He was on the field for five hundred, five hundred and forty-seven snaps this year. Which, again, Jordan Davis conversation. If you're going to take a guy in the first round and he's not going to be on the field a lot, then is it is it really worth it? And you know, I don't know if Travis Jones has that same argument. Neil Farrow Jr. definitely has that argument of you know, can he be on the field a lot? Is he even going to be on the field? I mean, uh, Fidarian Mathis, Alabama is not a team where. They're lacking in depth. I mean, it's the opposite. But he was on the field for 547 snaps and where where he's playing a position where a lot of guys go off of the football field.
0: All right. That's our QB and defensive line uh preview. Was a lot of fun. I love I like talking about the QBs. QB's is fun. Um, you know, maybe next year it'll be a lot more fun and maybe a lot more stressful too. Cause it'll be like, all right, no, I'm staking my reputation on some of these takes. But it is it is what it is. We appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Friday with our inside linebacker uh, preview, which is a very fun, fun position in this draft. A oh, lot yeah. of guys, a lot of different flavors for you um, in that one. So and we're starting to heat up, baby. Starting to heat up. We're getting closer and closer to the NFL draft. We appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.